Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Beyond Sleep Training Podcast a podcast dedicated to sharing real tales of how people have managed sleep in their family outside of sleep training culture. Because sleep looks different with a baby in the house. And because every family is different, there is no one-size-fits-all approach to take. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded, the Kalkadoon people. I pay my respects to the elders of this nation and the many other nations our guests reside in from the past, present and emerging. We honour Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and the unique cultural and spiritual relationships to the land, water and seas, as well as their rich contributions to society, including the birthing and nurturing of children. And welcome back to the Beyond Sleep Training Podcast. I'm your host, Carly Grubb. And this week, I'm welcoming back the wonderful Tammy Huich, who we had on the last episode, and she's going to be kindly sharing more of her story of sleep without sleep training. Um, In the last episode, we kind of finished up talking, your second baby was quite a challenge, Yeah, but it sounds like you eventually found peace with accepting his higher needs for contact and comfort. And um, co-sleeping and baby wearing sound like they were the big saviors in your life with that second babe. And also you told us about managing to get your family's head around the idea of moving beyond sleep training as well. So hats off to you, Tammy. That's no mean feat. So that, that really challenging sleeping baby, he's now five, you said. Yep. So how did things evolve? Like, did he eventually start sleeping more? Is he still quite a low sleep needs babe? Or what's he like now? Oh, surprise, surprise. 
probably in the past 12 months, he is sleeping through the night and he's happy as Larry. I breastfed him until he was two and a half. Um, he co-slept until he was three. Um, and even then, so it's just before his third birthday, we started to transition him into his room, but he, he still wanted that comfort. So it's really only been um, when he's four and, and also um, high needs, high energy. Um, he was four, no, he was three. So it's just before his third birthday is when the separation happened. And just before that was when we uh, when we started to to transition him, um, and he's he had quite a close bond with my ex, so the separation was quite traumatic for him. I kind of um, could could see that he was going through that emotional um, distress, uh, and we began co sleeping again. Um, learning what I've learnt with. Ashton and being a high needs bub, um, I think probably 95% of the time um, we co-slept with the cot, the um, made the cot into one big bed. My brain is just not functioning. So a sidecar cot. Sidecar cot, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> um, yeah. And that that was a lifesaver for me because what then became the norm was I would put him into his own space. And then as I started to transition Ashton um, to when we when we stopped breastfeeding, I would sit, lie on the bed, have him in his cot so we knew, you know, creating what his space was and I would offer him water and um, offer him my hand to hold to go to sleep. So that's how we started doing weaning. Um, was you know the first thing I'd offer was water then ask him if he wanted to hold my hand and then if he didn't want that and he insisted he wanted boob that's what he'd get um, and I found it was a really gentle way for me to transition him um, and it was an up and down process but we got I was there. Say, how, how long did it take like do you think that the process from beginning working on it through to when yep. he was actually happy about the situation? It took probably about three months um, it was it was a bit of an up and down process and I'm I'm glad in a way it happened before the separation. I can't even remember whether I was pregnant when it was happening or not. Um, gosh, I would have had to be because he was two and a half and there's three years between him and Lewis. But that's bizarre that I can't remember that. Um, <laughs> blanked it out. <laughs> I, I blanked that period out, exactly right. Um, but I do remember sitting there and, you know, offering him his water and, and it was you know, times where he would accept the water and then go, no, I'm, I just want to hold your hand. And, you know, he'd do that for a couple of nights and then want boob again. But that the gap became bigger. Um, and it was just creating that new routine around what I was offering and what he was getting. And for him, it was that reassurance that was still there. So I found that lying with him until he went to sleep worked rather than, you know, holding his hand and then walking away and then after a couple of weeks of doing that so it it took um a couple of months to to get him into that after a couple of weeks I would say you know mommy needs to go to the toilet I'll come back so I'd go to the toilet and come back and he'd be at that almost sleep point so so reassuring him and then doing what I said really worked and then I followed that when when I transitioned him into his bedroom it was the same I was using the same language and I was saying, you know, 
I'll, I'm going to put you to bed, I'm going to kiss you goodnight, but I'll come back to check on you. And him being awake when I was checking on him created that reassurance that he really needed um, because whilst he's not an overly affectionate child, he actually has high emotional connection needs. So it's very much one way the relationship is very much one way as he wants me to pour out a lot of affection and emotion into him, but then he's quite reserved in, in, in giving it back. And there's little times when, when, when it does happen, like this morning I was giving him a cuddle before school and he was just stroking my arm. And it's little times like that when I go, okay, he's just showing it in a different way. And, um, you know, it, I can tell he's appreciative of that and the difference in behaviour it makes when, I've actually stopped and listened to what he needs and understood what he needs. Um, but he, like, you know, all those two sleep through the night now. They will get through the odd occasion where they wake up um, and they know that my bed is always open to them. Like my big boy Xavier um, crawled into bed this morning for a cuddle because he woke up at, at 5 o'clock and I was still asleep, had a sleep in. I'm going back to work tomorrow. So, um it's nice and I don't ever want them to feel like they can't have that because it's such a big point of connection for us. Um, but but Ashton taught me a lot and so certainly gave me something that I'd never been good at was letting go. So learning to let go with Ashton and learning that I can't control everything was a really valuable lesson and then that helped me a lot when I had Lewis. So I was 32 weeks pregnant when my ex and I separated. Um, we were still living in the same house for a period of time. However, she wasn't in the house much, um, spending time with another person. So it was quite a high emotional time because there's a big change happening with the kids. I was very pregnant, still working full time in a highly demanding role. I'd got a promotion uh, when I was four months pregnant. So um, got put into an operations manager role. So that there was a lot of different elements that were going on. Um, so then I kind of had to collect myself and worked out what was working for the kids and it became co-sleeping. Again, you know, here I've got a almost seven-year-old and an almost three-year-old needing that emotional connection again. So I'd set up the trundle in my bedroom again. Um, big boy was lying on that and and Ashton was sleeping, sleeping in the cot, the sidecar cot, because I hadn't dismantled it because um, I like to have it there just in case, you know, something was going on with him. Um, and yeah, I remember going into labor with Lewis and being home with the two boys and both of them rushing to me and realizing, um, I also had quite quick labors. So with, with Xavier, it was three hours, Ashton, it was two. So Lewis, I'm like, game is on. I had to get it, get, um, I was luckily in a hospital that was closer to home because with both the older two, um, it was about a 35 minute drive. Um, so the hospital was 20 minutes and, um, I had Lewis within five minutes of arriving for me, not having a supportive partner through those first two pregnancies. I was actually quite grateful, um, being able to do things my way completely with Lewis. Um, I, I went through a lot of, um, 
anxiety, you know, worried that the baby was going to wake my ex up and, you know, trying, you know, straight away trying to comfort him and, and, and shoving a boob in his mouth to shut him up because that was what I was getting told to do. So with Lewis, I've certainly felt a lot more relaxed. Um, I've not, I, I felt more in tune with him. I felt more connected with him. Um, that's baby wearing, having a, a seven-year-old and a um, three-year-old or at the time, crazy boy, house, school. Uh, so we'd started, Xavier had started, um, he was in grade one. So much was going on. To be able to do life, baby wearing was my norm. And I had a baby carrier with me no matter where I was. Um, I had the pram, wasn't wasn't too fussed on the pram. I could tell if he was going to be really tired. Um, and working out what my balance was. So I worked out I really needed to be in nature. So there was times when just in the morning I dropped the kids off and I would just go for a walk along the beach. And that was just the bit to bring me back to sanity and just allow me to breathe. Um, and just doing things that brought me joy. That was, um, and being able to do that and, and realise that Bub could do that with me and letting go. So we, we spent a lot of time going to cafes um, where we just enjoy the view and it would just bring that that peace to me. So Lewis certainly taught me that um, breathing and just relaxing into it was very important. Um, he is quite a wakeful Bub. Um but not nothing compared to what Ashton was. So he's now two and a half and he still probably wakes um, on a good night, which was last night. He wakes probably twice um, and he he's very clearly asks for booby. Um, on a bad night, he'll wake every half an hour, every hour. And I think having had such a high needs baby in Ashton, and learning that I just had to let go and that it was me that had the problem, not him, has been the best thing for my relationship with Lewis because I've been able to connect in more with him and relax more into it. And I find my day-to-day -day is more relaxing. If I've not had a good sleep at night because he's been awake every night, I'm okay with that because I know that there's going to be a balance. Um, his... Uh, Leaps have been quite pronounced, but again, not as bad as as Ashton. Um, so co-sleeping, we've co-slept since day dot. Uh, I think he might have slept in the cradle when I was putting washing out, where I had a monitor. I got a monitor for him. That is the only time he slept in a cradle. Um, otherwise, baby wearing, co-sleeping, that that has just been amazing. Um, and having a king size bed plus the the cot there has just been amazing having that space to myself because he's also been a bit of a roller um but i think you know and his day sleeps was I, I he may have had a few day sleeps where he was just lying in front of on on me while i was um watching tv or whatever I had you still have a little basket i had a little basket with me next next to me when I had when he was a bub which had nappies and snacks and stuff in me for me um so I didn't have to get up so I think you know as the babies have progressed I've learned what I need and the biggest part was just being okay having your phone charged having the yes. remote control close 
Yeah, stuck for a wee before you sit down. Yep, exactly right. <laughs> and the amount of times I've learned that you can wee whilst holding a baby. You can also oh, wee yeah. whilst breastfeeding. Um, <laughs> skills, I, people. Oh, totally skills. So what's just jumped into my mind, I really needed to go grocery shopping and I had all three and it was a Sunday afternoon and we were totally ratty. I had the carrier. I chucked him on the side and moved the carrier around. So as I was doing my grocery shopping, he was breast, Lewis was breastfeeding the whole way. And you could see his little feet kicking. And Ashton, I was control, like getting the boys to put stuff in the trolley. It was the only way I was going to get this. anything done. <laughs> yep, this one, this one. Okay, get chocolate, that's fine. But just, I don't think I would have had the confidence to do that. I definitely wouldn't have had the confidence to do that with Xavier. But Ashton teaching me to let go and who cares what other people think and do what is right and what feels right. I can tell you I definitely got stairs breastfeeding in a carrier while I was doing the shopping with two very crazy kids, but I got it done. And, and hopefully those stairs were more like, oh, my gosh, she's awesome. <laughs> that would have been me. I would have been because I never figured out how to breastfeed in a carrier. So if that was oh. me walking past you, I would have been like, okay, and how did she do that? <laughs> where are the legs? Yeah, where, oh. what, hang on, what angle she got going on? Yeah, I never figured that one out. I think it helped that I had a little bit of a tummy still, so that sort of supported it. Um, <laughs> but, oh, look, and just being able to make it work, just finding things that just work for you and your family, I think. Um, and then, so we'd been separated for about two years and then I decided to get back on the dating world. And, you know, I got on the apps and decided I didn't like the apps and kind of went, oh, you know what, if it'll happen, it'll happen, whatever. And I was on a few um Australian lesbian Facebook pages and my partner had written um, something on Facebook about her and her daughter that really resonated with me. And so I messaged her and was being a bit cheeky in, in my message, identifying what star sign she was. And we were going back and forth. And then I remember the first sort of night of conversation with us was um, me basically saying, um, I have a child. At that stage, he wasn't staying with my ex um, because it was very clear, you know, in the first two years, um, the priority was the relationship with me and him, him being able to uh, breastfeed, um, and I'm still breastfeeding him. So saying that to my new partner, um, this this is what our night looks like. This is um, my co-sleep. Uh, my kids come into my room. If they need to, this is how I work. If you don't like it, sort of let me know. And she was like, well, actually, that's how I work. And my little girl has only just recently transitioned into her bed. Um, so for me, sorting the wheat through the chaff, if that makes sense, was quite a process in, in, in that how the relationship evolved for me. Um, and I did talk to a few of the other few girls when I was on the, the dating apps, but it just it didn't align with what I was after or it felt like my kids were an inconvenience. So then finding uh, a partner who shared the same philosophy for me as me um, was is really valuable. And the way she has adapted to that and um, this is how I've sort of discovered what a 
partner looks like when you're co-sleeping because there's been times when we have had sleepovers and Lewis has gotten upset and she said to me, would you mind if I take him? And she'll take him and rock him or cuddle him and it's just that's just like a whole new world. So as, as a partner, being able to step up and, and engage and, and, you know, talk to your partner and work out what is going to help, not hinder. Yeah, and that, read the room. Yeah, read the room, definitely. <laughs> not coming in when there's a tantrum and just briefing the baby off and walking away. Really yeah. understanding. And I think, you know, some of that, a lot of that is connection having conversations and talking and making sure that you're on the same page. So as we're progressing in, in our relationship, because we've been together almost six months, been talking for almost 12 months, because, you know, when, you, when you're when you very un, 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 uh, unexpected in a lesbian relationship, we're not living together and um, we we didn't start dating straight away. We talked for quite a while. And, and for me that was really important too because we, for both of us, um, the kids were at the centre of what we did and how we're approaching things. And so every step of how we've engaged with the kids and, and how we're progressing our relationship has been um, quite considered and quite careful and cautious. Um, but just how she's welcomed my three boys and feeling like I have someone who has my back um, and someone who can step in is like you don't understand the value of that until you've not had it. And the, or nay, I've had it and gone. Oh shit! Wow, this is a whole. This feels different. This feels good. So you're um, actually supported yourself because that's the thing, isn't yeah. it? Like you. And so this with your new partner, it's more that you the there to support you. That's yep. the the role that's been needed and has been missing Definitely. for so long for you. And that's I thought so that I, you know, quite independent, but I didn't realise that that's, you know, very independent. Um, I can do this. I've got this. But actually having someone who's got my back and supporting me, like I, I didn't realise I actually needed it and what a difference it makes to my mental health and makes to my over, overall well-being. And it's just incredible. I think that's the difference too, isn't it? So you you might be okay, like as in surviving, and you could do it, but that doesn't mean it was necessarily the optimal experience for you in terms right. of having your needs met. And it's almost impossible. It is impossible to really do and handle all the all-encompassing needs of children on your own. It's just not how it's meant to be. No, not exactly right. And, and certainly I've learned a lot about myself um, in, in those moments, as I said, with Lewis, I've been very relaxed, but it's also put me in a position where I've sort of reflected back on my experiences with Xavier and, and Ashton um, and, and reflecting back and looking at the first six months of Xavier's life and realising that I had postnatal depression and realising that I was very alone and not feeling supported, but you know, managing to pull myself out of that because a lot of that time with Xavier was quite foggy. Um, and, gosh, this is with a, a kid that's sleeping really well. Um, when I fell pregnant with Ashton, um, I had antenatal depression. So for the first, when I say I had everything going on, um, you know, the first four months 
I was finding it quite hard connecting in with him. Um, and I had quite a low level of um, gender disappointment. With Lewis, that was a whole nother kettle of fish because I had quite severe gender disappointment with Lewis having my third boy. And I, I think um, I know gender disappointment is quite controversial. Um, it is a form of depression. Uh, and I can certainly tell you I was very depressed. Um, to say that the colours were sucked out of the world is probably a good way of explaining what it felt like to me. Um, so for a very for, for most of that pregnancy, um, it was very very hard for me to connect with Lewis. Um, also, where the placenta was meant that I didn't feel Lewis much, um, except for a really big belly that. You know, because my body went, I got this, know what pregnancy feels like, looks like, here, instant belly. Um, I, I didn't feel pregnant. I, I didn't have men, many um, pregnancy symptoms with him. Um, but my gender disappointment was really, really severe. Um, and my depression, you know, as part of that was really, really severe. And it was really hard for me to, to come to terms with that. Um, and it was really hard to, I, I, I wasn't at the stage where I found someone to talk to. I was going to um, ask, did you seek some support for it or what, what, oh, how did you handle? Um, I had a counsellor, but I avoided talking about it because it was such, such a controversial topic and I didn't want to be judged. Um, and, it, and it's quite hard to explain. Like I wasn't, I'm so grateful. I was so grateful that I was pregnant. I was so grateful that I had a healthy baby boy. What I was grieving was the fact that I didn't have a girl. So, you know, I they, they were they're, they're two completely separate things. And I know um, I, I joined a support group, a, a gender disappointment support group, um, and understanding because, as I said, my gender disappointment got quite was quite quite severe. Um, where you know some of the feeling feelings that I had about myself, I was, I was feeling um, suicidal when I was um, three months pregnant. So, and I didn't have support. I didn't have support for my partner. My partner didn't understand or didn't seek to understand. Um, and she was sort of saying to me, well, you should be grateful. You're pregnant. You're lucky. Um, stop whinging. And, you know, I remember telling my mum the gender and all she did was give me a cuddle because she could see, she could read that I was quite upset. I didn't have any anyone to talk to. Um, I was quite alone. And then going through that experience, and I, I, I probably in hindsight, I could have started antidepressants because I was quite severe. But then I got in my own head about the impact that that would have on the baby. Um, and then probably, oh, ironically, a week before the separation. Um, I started a counsellor and I started a, a psychologist. Um, so going through that, and it was the psychologist that I actually said to, I, I got to two appointments and then I had a baby two and a half weeks early, um, but I got to two appointments and her saying to me, you know, it's okay. You know, what you're experiencing is real. It's depression and that's okay. You know, you're not a bad person because I felt like I was a bad person. Um yeah, her just telling me that it was okay and, you know, she could tell how much I loved my kids. Um, and then 
you know, the separation happening. And when I was in hospital, I just had all this mixture of emotions and um, then got a psychiatrist. So after Lewis was born, I was seeing a psychiatrist, a psychologist and a counsellor. Um, and they all had a different place. And they all like, you know, going back and as I said, I've learned a lot with Lewis. Going back, I wish I had have had that support with Xavier because I think that those first six months, understanding now, shit, I was, oh, I had postnatal depression. And I was really, really high, highly anxious about not breastfeeding because I was experiencing postnatal depression and all this stuff was happening. Um, and then understanding with with Ashton, I was having, I had antenatal depression because it felt the same, that darkness. It felt like there was no colour in the world. It was, I was feeling and thinking some really crappy things. Um, and then actually having that army of support when Lewis was born, you know, this is a baby that I've not connected to that I had named with my ex and then decided I hated the name. He was baby no name for two days until I landed on Lewis. Um, and then connecting with him. I took a photo of him and I while we were in hospital. I asked the hospital if I could stay in for an extra day because I just didn't want to, um, I wanted to be in that bubble to try and breathe and and, and try and find out what my plan was. Um, and there's this photo I took of him and I, and it was after I'd named him. And it was just a little selfie and that that there, when I looked at that photo, that was connection for me. And that's when I felt connected to him. And then having that support network of my psychiatrist, psychologist and counsellor, so I was speaking to my counsellor on the phone every three weeks, seeing my psychologist um every two months and seeing my psychiatrist for the first month it was every week and then I wasn't on medic he didn't medicate me because he found that I, I just needed that support that's what was missing and having that army meant for me I was able to connect with Lewis and worked through a lot of this feeling and, and really what you said before you know having a partner that supports you well, I didn't have that, but I found this incredible support network and professionals. Um, and that, I think, really helped me get through the eight months that he and I were alone before I went back to work. Um, I think for me, this that support network and finding a support network if you don't have family nearby is probably the most crucial part of being a parent. And finding friends, like I'm, I'm incredibly grateful. I remember when you were you were pregnant with Sylvie, and I was pregnant with Lewis, and we were messaging each other, and just having that person who I could relate to and talk to about that stuff. Oh my gosh! And teach, you know, talking her through her pregnancy and going through that. And I think those those things of, of you don't realize how important your family. That's not your family, you know, you know, your friends and your support network. You don't realise how important they are until you go, oh, shit, I didn't have that. And look at the difference it's made. Or oh, that's for me anyway. Humans are social creatures. We're not meant oh. to be um, solitary. Solitary solitary humans would not have survived. And so no. it makes sense. It makes perfect sense that we're all 
stronger and able to be our best selves when we're surrounded by quality support. And like you say, if you if you don't have that support in um, people in your immediate circle, friends and family and whatnot, it's okay to seek it outside of that space, mm-hmm. including professional support. But I'm so glad they had you. Like yeah. I'm just, it's such a relief, especially after getting nearly the whole way through the pregnancy feeling that way on your own I'm so sorry that that was your experience because it's it's so common and like you say there's a bit of a stigma around it where it's almost becomes you get gaslit into believing that it shouldn't even be the way you're feeling and yet you still are so it's that real danger in telling people that it's not something that should be giving them troubles isn't it so I'm pleased I'm pleased that came into your life eventually I didn't even tell people at work that I was separated because I was so embarrassed and it was just there was so much going on for me emotionally, you know, gender disappointment, not connecting with my bub, going through the separation. There was so much that I was just concealing and, oh, my gosh, 100%, all of that affected my performance and all of that affected who I was and how I felt. And all I can remember the, the clearest thing was Lewis must have been about three months old, sorry, three weeks old, and I'd been to my third appointment with my psychiatrist and I was driving home and I just noticed there was this tree hanging over the hospital where he was, a tree with these yellow flowers, and I just remember thinking, oh, wow, I've never noticed how yellow those flowers were. And then I noticed that the colour was starting to come back and it was noticing that stuff it it was incredible your yeah. mind could actually come back into that full technicolor experience of life because it wasn't so tunneled in yeah. oh I'm so glad you came well again and I'm so thank you for being brave enough to share that experience with us because I'm sure there'll be people listening along who who will really resonate with that and mm. or maybe they even know someone in their circle or family of friends who are having those kind of feelings and this might just open up that space for them to understand the experience a little bit better, even if it wasn't their own personal experience. And I'm so glad you got the support in the end. Oh, me too. I would would hate to feel, I would hate to think about where I would be as a single parent with three kids managing a newborn if I did not have that support that I did. And, oh, my family were absolutely incredible. The morning, um, after I came out of hospital, my sister turned up with my dad. My dad took my, the kids to, to school. Um, my sister made everyone breakfast. So my, my family has just rallied together. Um, so my family's incredible, been an incredible part of my network and has also involved my relationship with my family, being able to have open and frank discussions with them um, where they've just got in and helped and and. You know, I'm incredibly grateful for that too because it's it's not just, um, you know, those professionals I think have have given me that profound shift but then being able to talk about that with family and close friends um, I think has enabled me to be more honest and be more truthful about those things. Um, and, and you're right, it, it's actually opened up where I've had a conversation with a mum from um, Xavier's school that a little boy that went through school with him and she went oh I had that too and having that conversation and being quite open with that um has has helped her and I know as I said it's a bit of a a controversial topic um 
but it's different it's interesting seeing the number of people that are affected and they don't know what it what it is and I think um you know if you can see that someone is impacted by that seek to understand don't judge because I think that was my biggest fear and that's why I didn't seek help was because I just thought I was going to be judged so um just seeking to understand and, and having a conversation without judgment I love it. And I'm just looking at our time. We're actually a little bit over a half hour. So I hope people listening don't mind that we went a bit longer, but we really needed to capture all of that. So to finish things off, Tammy, do you have a tip? I think you've shared lots of tips, but do you have <laughs> one more tip that you'd like to share with our listeners to finish off the episode? I think it, I think um, probably the, the biggest thing is um, find your family. And by that, I mean, not just those that you're related to, but your friends and, and professionals that can support you. Support is is key. Support in, it comes in so many different forms. And, you know, I had a counsellor for a relationship breakdown, a gender disappointment and my mental health. So um, my friends and my family that support support me, but um, no matter where you are, whether you're close to to biologically related family or not, just find your family, find your support network. Very wise words. And I think that will be something that anyone listening along, if you haven't already got your network sorted out, to try. And you, sometimes you've got to be really creative about it, but it really is yep. worth everybody's while if you can. And in COVID world, it's got next level challenge, but there's still options out there for support for people. And I think um, the Beyond Sleep Training Project, especially, you know, the admins and and even, you know, part part of the community, that's been played a massive part in my journey as well, um, having stories, being able to share stories, being able to support people. So I feel incredibly lucky to be an admin where I can share some of this stuff and see that people resonate with it or um, are grateful. So, so Beyond Sleep Training Project is part of my family and and thank you Carly for for being this dear behind that oh thank you I'm so glad we have you and uh, our volunteer team's just a bit special so I and we're very yeah. lucky to have each other as well all yeah. right well I'm going to round out that episode but thank you so much for your time Tammy it was an absolute treat and I'm, I've got a funny feeling we might have another episode in us somewhere down the track as well because <laughs> I just feel like there's more we could have talked about but thank you Definitely. so much for being so generous with your time and sharing your wisdom Thank you. Thank you, Carly. See you. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast today. The information we discussed was just that, information only. It is not specific advice. If you take any action following something you've heard from our show today, it is important to make sure you get professional advice about your unique situation before you proceed, whether that advice be legal, financial, accounting, medical, or any other advice. Please reach out to me if you do have any questions or if there's a topic you'd really like us to be covering. And if you know somebody who'd really benefit from listening to our podcast, please be sure to pass our name along. Also check out our free peer support group, the Beyond Sleep Training Project and our wonderful website, www.littlesparklers.org. If you'd like even more from the show, you can join us as a patron on Patreon and you can find a link for that in our show notes. If listening is not really your jam, we also make sure we put full episode transcripts on our Little Sparklers website for you to also enjoy and fully captioned YouTube videos as well. 
on our little sparklers channel. So thanks again for listening today. We really enjoy bringing this podcast to you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.